you love the Dastardly Decimal System and want more? Our Patreon is the best way to get that. Members will get access to show notes, official artwork, our new bonus episode series called Cleaning Up After Tea Time, and of course, plenty of cat pics of Vega voice actors, Vash and Zid. This can all be found at patreon.com slash dastardlydecimalsystem. There may be no honor among thieves, but I cannot trust you to abandon your thief brethren. Bodhi, Mistress of Thieves Welcome, humble adventurers, to my realm of knowledge and mystery. Here, in my cursed library, are endless tomes and scrolls on the darkest and evilest foes in all the realms, be they from Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder, the many worlds of darkness, or any realm in between. Welcome to the Dastardly Decimal System. I'm your caretaker of the corrupt, the librarian, Caster Kane. The tides of chaos have returned to Baldur's Gate. The Mind Flayers take to the sky with their nautiloids. These tentacled ships rip apart the city's stone building as they capture the terrified citizens below. Portals open in the city's skies as red dragons pour out from within, carrying with them the vicious Gith Yankee. Whenever a new threat arises in the city of Baldur's Gate, many charge in with swords at the ready, but the wisest of them will always look to the threats of the past in order to learn from their mistakes. Today we look at the Shadows of Alm incident that threatened the city in the past and those responsible. Take a seat as I pour you a cup of vampire blood tea. This is a fanciful blend of tea, spices, and fruit that produces a delicious, elegant flavor and a crisp red tint that is beyond compare. This seems fitting as we talk about Bodhi, the Mistress of Thieves. Are you ready, Vega? Vega? I apologize. Vega is always so disinterested when it comes to vampires. Yet mention an evil wizard <laughs> and he gets super excited. Bodhi was once a stunning and beautiful elf. She had a lithe form and a set of keen, alluring eyes. She was a charismatic woman who was able to convince others to do her bidding with only the faintest of whisper and a gleam in her eye. These mortal traits of hers were enhanced when she became a vampire. She has slate gray skin raven black hair that she kept in an upright spike style. Her eyes held a look that could only be described as the dangerous combination of hunger and violence. She is a sadistic, cruel, and evil soul, 
one who delights in playing with her prey before consuming them. As a vampire, she has their strengths, speed, and supernatural abilities. She could climb walls, fly, summon beasts, and sway a person's mind with her hypnotic gaze. She also had the ability to heal any of her wounds through the consumption of blood. She enjoys collecting tomes on vampirism. She would go to far corners of the kingdom to find and obtain a rare tome, including the highly sought-after unabridged version of the Vampiricus Omnibus. Bodhi was born an elf and grew up in the kingdom of Seldenestalar, the elven city that rested high in the branches of the Tree of Life. As a young woman, she was a popular individual and often seen at the height of high society. Her stunning looks drew the attentions of many, yet even at a young age, Bodhi viewed her kind as reserved and repressed. She was a soul that delighted in pleasures and was always seeking out new ones. She was also a person that disliked being stagnant. Why be happy where you are when there is so much more you could achieve? This led her to her adoptive brother, Jonalith Erenicus. He was a powerful, confident mage who was in a relationship with Queen Elisime, and often counted himself lucky to be in such. Bodhi found such thoughts distasteful. It was not because of simple luck that he bedded the queen. He was the strongest mage in the kingdom. It was his right to bed her. No other was strong enough or powerful enough to challenge him. He had earned the right to be with her. Day after day, Bodhi whispered these thoughts to him until his confidence became arrogance and hubris. And worse still, his mutual love with the queen morphed into an obsessive one. Why should either of them be happy with their current limits in power and position when there was so much more growth possible? Why stay at their current lot in life when there was so much more for the taking? That's when the pair turned to the Tree of Life. The Tree of Life was humongous. Its branches were so large that the city rested upon them, and its roots were so magical that the tree held the shared memories of every elf, accessed by each and every one of their kind during their daily trance. The tree had so much magic that it had fueled the divine ascension of elves, allowing them to reach levels on par with the gods. Odi and Jonaleth wanted that ascension. One night, under the cover of darkness, the two began a dark ritual. They would merge their life force with that of the tree, granting each of them great power. The ritual was instantly felt by all of elf kind, even cutting off the magical connection to many. 
elves that were in the middle of a trance suddenly died. The pair were eventually stopped by the queen and her archmages, but not before hundreds of lives ended that day. For their crimes, Queen Elisime cursed Arenicus and Bodhi. Both were ripped of their elven connections and their bodies were brutally transformed into something so terribly hideous and disgusting that most of the elven elders on the council members couldn't bear to watch. The pair were turned into humans. Living the lives as exiles was not bad enough. Bodhi and her brother, who was now known as John Arenicus, were forced to live their lives as humans. This meant that they had a human's mind and were still a human's limited lifespan. This would not do. Bodhi craved a long life. She craved immortality. While John looked at divine means to extend their lives, Bodhi turned to a more sinister and darker method. She turned to vampirism. As a vampire, her previous toxic traits became elevated. The resentment that she held to the elves grew into hatred. She thought her kind to be the epitome of arrogance and pride. Her desire for growth grew into an intense obsession. She was enthralled with the abilities held by inherently powerful beings. And with her supernatural focus, the desire only intensified. Her quest for pleasure grew into a sadistic game that she played. She would hunt prey, toying and torturing them before she fed, reveling in their pain and suffering like it was an aphrodisiac. And her demand for a place amongst the social elite caused her to found her own coven of vampires which quickly grew into a powerful guild of thieves. Once again, her name was known and feared. She was the Mistress of Thieves. Yet that did not satisfy her. The long life that came from being a vampire was not eternal. She could still die. That would not do. She craved true immortality and so too did her brother. The pair tried various methods to infuse divinity into themselves, but sadly, each proved fruitless. This left them with only one final option. They needed the spark of ball. They needed a ball spawn. And that meant they needed Abdel Adrian.
Abdel Adrian and Imowen, the heroes of Baldur's Gate, and those who defeated Saravok. John and Bodhi started their nefarious plan by kidnapping the duo. They brought the Ballspawn to the city of Athcatala and locked them in a secret dungeon hidden beneath the city promenade. Weeks passed as John Arenicus experimented on the duo. Bodhi was never a woman of science or magic, research or experimentation. Those were boring, and she desired fun. Instead, she passed the time by secretly torturing the duo in between her brother's activities. Once again, reveling in their pain and suffering like an aphrodisiac. Irenicus's plan was to experiment and torture the Ballspawn siblings until they discovered a way to extract their divine spark. But this was interrupted by Bodhi's past. When Bodhi started her vampire coven of thieves, she drew the ire of the previously existing thieves guild, the Shadow Thieves. The two guilds were at war, and the Shadow Thieves would stop at nothing to slay her and destroy her coven. Upon discovery of Bodhi's new dungeon, the Shadow Thieves attacked. This assault allowed the Ball Spawn to escape. Abdel and Imowen fled to the surface. There, they found Arenicus waiting for them. Imowen and Arenicus opened up in a magical duel, both firing massive spells at each other, until the cowled wizards arrested the pair for illegal magic. They were swiftly taken away. Weeks passed as Abdel tried to find where his sister had been taken, eventually learning of the arcane prison known as Spellhold. But Abdel could not enter the prison alone. He needed the skills and manpower of a thieves' guild. While Bodhi tried to secretly recruit Abdel to her side, a trap to gain better access to him, he instead sided with the Shadow Thieves. Bodhi watched as the hero attacked her coven and slew many of her kin. Furious and having seen enough, she faced the hero alone in the Athcatla graveyard. The two battled, Bodhi using her flight to gain an advantage, but quickly it was apparent of their differences in strength. Even with her vampiric abilities, she was no match for the hero of Baldur's Gate. Knowing she was beaten, she turned to mist and escaped. Spellhold was meant to keep wizards locked up. It was not, however, built for casters as strong as Arenicus. After being arrested, he swiftly escaped and took control of the prison. There he continued his experiments. He found a way to rip the divine spark from Imowen and infused it into his sister. Suddenly, Bodhi was unlike anything the world had ever seen. 
She was faster, stronger, and more powerful than even the most ancient of vampires. The world of Faerun, in comparison to her, was brittle. She was now living in a world of cardboard. The only problem was, she cared little if she broke it. Abdel stormed the prison but was surprisingly betrayed by two of his allies. They knocked him down and drugged him. This allowed Arenicus to remove his spark as well, fusing it with his own soul. As Arenicus portaled to the Underdark, prepared to continue his plan, Bodhi remained in the prison to watch over her now soulless foes. She forced them into a labyrinth of corridors and gleefully watched as the pair suffered the traps within. She waited until they were at their weakest before appearing before them, ready to feed. Yet, as she prepared for the final kill, what little ball magic that resided within Abdel suddenly started to activate. His body twitched and changed before suddenly transforming into the avatar of Ball. Abdel had transformed into the Slayer. Bodhi was stunned and terrified. Not only was the avatar of a god standing before her, but it wasn't supposed to be possible. Without the Divine Spark, how could Abdel transform as such? Not wanting to find out, Bodhi turned into the mist once more and quickly escaped. When Arenicus fled to the Underdark, Abdel followed. Bodhi, on the other hand, remained in Athkatla. She returned to her graveyard lair and stood guard over the Rin Lanthorn, the one artifact needed to follow Arenicus into Saldanalisalar. She intended to follow her brother in due time, eager to participate in the assault of her exiled home, but she never got the chance. The hero had arrived once more. Emdal arrived with his allies in tow. Not only did he show up to her lair with his companions, but he had also called upon the servants of the Radiant Heart Paladins, High Priest Clerics, and even Dritz Dowarden and the Companions of the Hall. Bodhi, however, was not a woman unprepared. Her coven of vampires stood at the ready, and she had even spent a great amount of coin to hire the legendary Artemis Antari to act as her guard. As the companions of the hall, the paladins and the clerics dealt with the vampires. Dritz went and fought Artemis once again. During this, Abdel battled Bodhi. Gone were her tricksy maneuvers like flight and wall climbing. Instead, she fought a brutal face-to-face -face battle. She attacked with her claws, draining Abdel's health and healing her own with each slash, and then she would backhand him across the room with her enormous strength. Each punch felt like a battering ram against his armor. She summoned a flurry of bats to distract and assault him while she attacked, even repeatedly biting him as they fought. The battle was long and arduous, but eventually, Abdel proved the victor. He cut Bodhi down and watched yet again as her body turned to mist. This time, however, he was not going to let her escape. He followed her into her lair and found her coffin. Ripping it open, he saw her vulnerable form lying there, trying to recover. He drew a wooden stake from his belt and held it high, before stabbing it deep through her heart 
and ending her existence once and for all. Bodhi had used her mist to escape death time and time again, yet at the moment when the stick plunged into her heart, when she thought all was done and death had finally arrived, the mist intervened once more. This mist, however, was not the same as before. It was not her body, disassembling as she tries to escape danger. This mist was a dark and magical mist that came from the Shadowfell. The powers that be had chosen her for punishment. When the mist dissipated, her body was gone and she was forever removed from the lands of Faerun. It's hard to fully talk about Bodhi and her fate without talking about her brother, John Arrhenicus. The Shadow of Alm crisis was an event created by both of their actions, and their fates were so too shared. With that being said, why don't you stretch your legs, adventurer, while I brew us a fresh pot, so we may continue our discussion about the Shadows of Alm crisis, and look at the exiled mage known as John Arrhenicus. Oh, now you're interested, Vega. <sighs> you are such a kitten simp for an evil mage. This has been the Dastardly Decimal System, and once again, I'm your librarian, Caster Kane. Just a quick note, because this topic requires two pots of tea, the next episode will be out in just a few weeks, much earlier than normal. Enjoy! The Dastardly Decimal System can be found on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at DD System Podcast. That's Delta Delta System Podcast. We're also on TikTok, so check us out if you enjoy a good D&D meme. And who doesn't, right? Drop us a message and say hi. Vega always loves the attention. This podcast was produced by Midnight Reading Audio, a division of Midnight Reading Publishing. The voice of Castor Kane is Larry Gent. Hi. The voice of Vega the Cat was by my cat, Zid and Bash. Music was The Looming Shadow by Brandon Wilson from Pixabay, licensed under the Creative Commons. Thank you for joining us, and have a wonderful, wonderful evening. <laughs>